Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ken Dashow, Beatles Revolution, number 75, as me and producer Andrew record this. It is the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, August 15th, 2019. The question always was, would the Beatles come to Woodstock? And why not? It was important. Turned out the Beatles couldn't play, but John Lennon, maybe? Here's founder Michael Lang. He couldn't get into the country because Nixon was not appreciating his anti-war status. When we lost our site in Wallkill, where we'd been working for three months, we had a month to go to get our festival together. And the miracle is a day later, we found Maxie Asger and, and the Bethel site. But that day, I got a letter from Apple. They had offered the Plastic Ono Band, James Taylor, and Billy Preston. And I never saw that letter until I wrote, wrote my book and I had this box of stuff from the original festival and went through it and there it was. It was, you know, all the Beatles were copied and they would have all been a great addition, but that's life. <laughs> Take two. It's Ken Dashow's okay. Beatle Revolution. One, two, three, four. On iHeartRadio. Hey, producer Andrew, peace and love, man. Hey, Ken, peace and love. Peace and love and a little on the side. Do you kids know about that? No. You make the regular peace symbol with your two fingers, but wiggle your pinky. You know, little peace on the side. Okay. Get it? All right, that's not what I would call that hand signal, but... I see. The old hippies, that was kind of a thing. But we okay. digress. The Beatles at Woodstock... You learn something every day. I got an email from Jim, who's a big Beatles Revolution fan, who said, Ken, you'd mentioned that the organizers had asked the Beatles if they would come to Woodstock, and Apple said no, but you could have the plastic Ono Band and James Taylor's, we heard Michael Lang say. And Jim said, imagine if the Beatles had done it to promote Abbey Road. They could have jammed the end of I Want You for 15 minutes, and the audience would have loved it. Like, in that world, absolutely right. But we're going to go into the depths of it and go into the weeds of it. But by August of 1969, the greatest live group in the world was a million miles away from being a group that played live together. They were not a band that did shows that got on a stage and played anymore. It just was not going to happen ever. So the question is, how could they have done it? People say, well, they could have if they wanted to. Well, yes, of course they could have if they wanted to. They're great musicians. If four guys said, let's go play, they would have played. But could you imagine with your band, if you'd done so many shows and been through so much, and even though you're technically still a band, the last thing on earth you wanted to do of the three people who not named Paul McCartney was get on a stage and play together and make that effort. It's sad, but that's where they were by August do you of think 69. That's, do you think they really didn't want to play together or they didn't want to travel together? I don't think they want to. This is just my opinion. I don't think they didn't want to play together, travel together, eat together, look at each other. Uh, Peter Asher, when he was up here, said, when you spend day in, day out, years with somebody, you just eat each other alive. You just can't bear it anymore. Yeah, but I think the shows are the part that's fun about it. I think if the Beatles were still playing shows, they might have hung on a little bit longer. If Woodstock happened... Assuming the shows were good. Right. If Woodstock happened in 66, right. 
I think you would have had the Beatles play live, even though Candlestick Park and all that, this would have been something different. But it was the pinnacle of peace and love and hippiedom. Again, for all that happened, the thing you have to remember the most, the takeaway about Woodstock and all the all the reverie about it is it rained for three days. They were expecting fifty to 60,000 people, maybe if they got lucky, 100,000, and 400,000 came. And they had they didn't have enough food, enough water, enough bathrooms, and no security, and there wasn't one crime committed for 72 hours in the rain. There was no mud fight. There was, nobody set anything on fire. Everybody was cool. Some babies were born. Uh, OD, yeah, there were ODs and people tripping, but nobody yeah. hurt each other. Country Joe uh, did an interview with, uh, I think it was Rolling Stone, recently about the 50th anniversary, and he said that people <laughs> people didn't really know how to act because it was such a new thing, and there were so many people there that they were just sort of on their best behavior because <laughs> they didn't know uh, what else to do. They made Wavy Gravy was head of the pig farm. He was supposed to feed everybody and be security. And Michael Lang asked him, how many people do you need for security? He said, how many people are here? He said, about 400,000. He said, then we need 400,000 security people. And that's pretty much what it is. You're on your own to be your best behavior and help your neighbor. And I think the big collapse of Woodstock 2019 is that just doesn't exist now. You, you can't do a festival without enough food or water. There's right. an expectation of service that wasn't there then that is now. And if it's not met and if it's late and things aren't happening and it's rain and there's no shelter, people aren't going to be cool. There's going to be a problem. Right. I was just at a festival in Montreal a couple of weeks ago. It was a, a first class experience. There's water fountains everywhere. There's liter- there was literally like a sprinkler that people could jump in. And of course, they have the hoses um, side of the stage to cool the crowd down when everybody's packed together. And it ran on time like to the minute. Like a couple acts actually went on a few minutes early and they were just like, well, we're ready to start. So we'll just start. I mean, the fire Festival debacle, which was a right. scam, it was sort of a scam to begin with, yeah. but they were going to try to do a show. And they said nobody expected a, a hurricane to come through. That's your job. When you're doing an outdoor festival in the islands, my buddy Tony Melkier is a stage manager, event coordinator, a show producer. The first thing he does when there's something outside is say to himself, if a hurricane comes through, what are we doing? You know, we we were launching a new boat, a a city line boat, you know, to go around a touring thing around the city for the uh, circle line. That was it. Circle line. We're doing outdoors on the pier. And he made them spend money on tons of tents. And they said, why? He said, because it could be raining or howling. And if it's, if he goes, the weather's going to be fine. No, it's going to be a monsoon. Assume it'll be a monsoon. Yeah, there's just, the all-day festival thing is so sophisticated at this point that I think Woodstock 50 didn't happen because you, you just don't make something like this happen, especially a multi-day thing, if you're not, super buttoned up on the business side of things. The the sort of rickety way, the shaky way Woodstock 69 was put together because they didn't there wasn't much of a precedent for it. There was some, but that 
trying to do that again is not going to work. And that's ultimately what costs them the investors and then the permits. Right. Michael Lang was trying to put together another festival, I believe, the way he did 50 years ago. Yeah, oh, and, we lost the site. We'll find another and, one. And we had the principal here on the principal of the festival, a guy named Greg Peck. Yeah. Um, who's never, uh, never done live events before. And here Michael is having them organized Woodstock 50, a festival that they expected 150,000 people to go to right. first. So you, you go to us, to iHeart. You, we're right. experts at doing it. Our company does great. We've got the, you know, the, the iHeart Music Festival. We have the Country Festival. We have Euphoria. We have the Jingle Ball. Alter Ego. Right. We know how to do these things. And you say, how, do, how can we do this? But when you want to do it yourself, and I'm not putting down Michael Lang because I've, I've yeah, met we him. we were rooting for him. Equ- right, I want him to do it. But when you say, you know, we wasted six weeks with the company because they didn't move on it. But you yeah. have to start out two years in advance, not eight months in advance. If you're only starting out six to eight months in advance, six weeks really hurts you. If you're starting out two years, if you start out in 2017, six weeks while you're still putting it together, you can absorb that time delay, whether it is or isn't. The first thing you do is not contract bans. The first thing you do is secure the location with yeah. insurance and permits, a security company, and a bond. You know, you have to get you have to get all your dog. These that's what people who know how to do these things as a business yeah. do. And it worked as a hippie. The Beatles weren't the only famous band that were invited that didn't come. The Rolling Stones were invited, but Mick was in Australia filming Ned Kelly. And Keith's girlfriend, Anita Pallenberg, just gave birth to their son, Marlon. And again, the Stones were kind of up and rolling by 69. You know, they were, and it's so weird in a way. It would have been ironic if they played it because as Woodstock is the pinnacle of the summer of love, the Stones at Altamont is the end of it. You know, maybe if... Maybe if the Stones played Woodstock, Altamont would never have happened. And I never thought of that. Maybe the world would be a better place for that. Um, it's weird with some of the, uh, the British acts with Woodstock because Woodstock is just the quintessential to me, American festival, right? The headliners, all the greatest moments from Woodstock are American bands and the who played, but it, I don't know, was it like 4am and they still like, they hate it. They hate that they even showed up. They hated being there. They hated the because they were used to accommodations. Now, right. By now, I mean, you're, you, it's, it's just as Tommy is breaking in 69. We hated it. It was uncomfortable. The equipment sucked, disorganized. Nobody knew what they were doing. But as Pete said, uh, you know, I'm not... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's going to be revisionist history, but as the sun is coming up, on a Saturday morning, and Roger is singing the end of Tommy, listening to you, I hear the music, and the sun breaks over the horizon, and they're filming it. He said, that took us to the next level. That was a defining moment in our, in our career when people saw that movie. They Tommy had already been out and was starting to fade, 
and it got another rebirth, mm-hmm. like like what Bohemian Rhapsody did sure. from that movie. There were bands that were made by that. I mean, Joe Cocker was a great British blues singer. Mm-hmm. He's the one who brought the Beatles to Woodstock. His version of yeah. With a Little Help right. from My Friends to this day, this definitive version, and took him into a superstar status. Yeah, you know, there's something about about the who, where it just like doesn't fit for me. Them being at Woodstock, that's sort of like an like like the the fact of the festival. Like, I don't associate the who with being at Woodstock. There, the whole, um. The sound of the band, the personalities of Roger and Pete, I guess maybe the violence in their past, <laughs> the, the, the physical fights they would have, it just doesn't feel very Woodstock to me. <laughs> well, I, Michael's idea, as it would have been for Woodstock 50, And I was, feel a similar way about the Stones, where the, if the Stones were to show up, that would like, be a little bit... That's not the place to play sympathy yeah, for the devil. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah. out of place. There's something almost corporate about it. Well, they wanted to have a smattering of everything. Yeah. See, the act that played before Jimi Hendrix at 5 a.m., which was Sha Na Na, right. a bunch of New York guys in gold right. lame sh- suits. Doing, a, doing At the hop. 50s or You can rock it, you can roll it. You can stop it, you can like, that quite doesn't fit 400,000 yeah. people who are dropping acid. But he, wa- well, you know who he wanted to close the show? Do you know who was supposed to be the last act? I don't believe I do. Oh, my God, it's brilliant. He asked and begged and called personally Roy Rogers to mm. come and close the show and sing Happy Trails. He said, because if you grew up in the late 50s, early 60s, like I did, we all watched Roy Rogers. And he closed the show on a horse singing Happy Trails. And I thought, what a great way to send everybody yeah. off. Roy, not amused, not interested. And also, there were not a lot of people there left for Hendrix. Yeah, when Jimmy played, and he was really Because I, ironically... Peace and love, hippies, communes, all that. People had to go to work the next day, so they left. Plus, remember, it was raining lightly. By mm-hmm. Sunday, it was an absolute soaker, a downpour. And everybody said, even on acid, when it really rained hard and it was got cold Sunday night, yeah. you know, not fun. He goes, that's when we started going, this is done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Joe Cocker said, what do you remember about the festival? He goes, it belonged to the people. It was the people wrestling in the mud. It was the mud people. It was their festival. And when they decided to go home, they Michael Lang still wanted to jump the queue and have Jimmy play at midnight. But then all these other bands, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, wouldn't go on. So he said, no, man, I'll still close the show whenever it is. So all that, that him playing, you know, Star Spangled Banner was pretty much to a field of garbage and 100 people who hadn't woken up yet or a few thousand. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, there, they there were it. probably a few... Uh, a few tens of thousands of people. There's so many people there in general. I'm sure at least like 30 or 40,000, like 10% of the population didn't have anywhere to be on Monday morning. Right. <laughs> well, the, the two people that everybody wanted there were the Beatles and Dylan. The yeah. Beatles and Dylan. Dylan wasn't there because Bob uh, was booked to do, he was, I mean, was he in the Isle of Wight Festival? Yeah, I think, let's see, I have it here. Bob, who was a resident of Woodstock, was never in serious negotiation, right? He set sail for England, on August 15th. Yeah, that's right. He lived in the actual town of Woodstock. And he's the last person who ever wanted to be there because he he moved to Woodstock to get away from the hustle and bustle in New mm-hmm. York and, and be close to, to the band and, you know, Big Pink and live a country life. And all the hippies are crawling all over his house, literally on his roof, going, Bob, man, I want to jam. I got my guitar. And he kept calling the police who are not amused by any of this. And rather than coming to help, 
would say, this is your fault. You started it. You're Bob Dylan. You hire a security firm if you want. But if you ever hurt one of these hippies or shoot them, we're going to throw you in jail. So the town was no help to Bob. It was making his idyllic life in the country a living hell. So when they call him like, would you want to play to all the people who are annoying the living shit out of you every minute? No, thank would you. Would you like I'll... to embolden them? Yes. No, I'll be in another country. Hey, That's party at Bob's house right. afterwards. And all you need is one person to say that and 400,000 people yeah. are coming. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a nightmare. So I get it. But I was... I was looking back through the Beatles' tumultuous 1969 and did a cherry pick of like as if there was a diary. And you want to know why the Beatles didn't play Woodstock? Well, post-Beatles, when they asked John Lennon, um, truly, not now, not today or tomorrow, do you ever foresee a day when John, Paul, George, and Ringo are going to get together on a stage and play live? And John said, no, I don't. It seems impossible. If you could not just tell me, but prove to me that by the Beatles playing together, we could cure cancer in the world, that we will stop all wars. Every country signs a peace treaty of never committing aggression against another country forever. If the Beatles play one more concert, then we're getting together. We'll play the Grand Canyon, bring everybody in the world to the Grand Canyon with every speaker that exists. We're going to do one concert. If you can change the world with one definitive thing, but no, we're not doing that because that was then and this is now. And as much as it hurt, I get it. I understand. He looked at it as this magical thing that was then, but he was completely with Yoko. It was John and Yoko by 69. As Michael Lang said, Apple offered them the Plastic Ono Band but it would probably be without John Lennon because he could go to Canada, but he couldn't get into America. So there's Yoko in a band, but he could have had James Taylor. And that, Andrew, would be the perfect yeah. act to be at Woodstock. Absolutely. And he never saw it. Yeah, I can't think of a better performer who would have gained, who would have gained from that if he had been on that stage. Yeah, and I mean... The Beatles, the Beatles performing at Woodstock, I just can't even imagine. Something about John Lennon... I could see him there. I could sort of picture it, John Lennon and Yoko, or just John Lennon by himself. I could picture that. But also what you just... Um, John Lennon would be would be playing last if right. he was available. I do not see John Lennon doing the Jimi Hendrix, it's cool, I'll go on last, I'll... Right. I don't see him being okay with that. Never. What, from what I know about John, that's... that. He he expects you know to be going on time and accommodations like you said and right and again the the other hindsight or it'd be like the grouchiest <laughs> John Lennon set of all time and the revisionist history of why weren't you there Th- this was the muse uh, the Woodstock Music and Arts Festival and it was the original idea was music and arts and crafts and it would be like a hippie fest with blankets and weaving and cool things, and here's some great bands, and it just got bigger and bigger and took on a life of its own. But when they asked people, do you want to go play uh, like a hippie fair in upstate New York, Like they invited Led Zeppelin, and Led Zeppelin considered it, but they got a bigger paying gig in Asbury Park that weekend, so they politely declined. And sure, looking back on it, every Woodstock goes, oh man, how could they say no to play Asbury Park? Because they got more money. Yeah. 
I I get that. Like when you're a working band, Andrew, one hundred thousand, you can play a craft fair in upstate New York, or you can play a convention center in Asbury Park. They both seem like middling gigs. Right. Which pays more money? That's a, that's a yeah, fair or, choice. Or, or which seems like the better, you know, presentation, the better setting for your band? Yeah, that's Led enough. Zeppelin performing, you know, outdoors uh, in the middle of the night, maybe, but. In the afternoon, I don't really right. see that happening. Here's something I did not know. Or in the morning. I did not know this at all until I did my research about bands that were invited that didn't play. Um, Santana was made by Woodstock. Absolutely. From that moment of Carlos playing guitar. I've. We were just talking. I've never actually seen the entire film. But Santana's Woodstock set, hearing it, was like one of the watershed moments in... My enjoyment of like rock and roll music. So here's a little backstory. Their Woodstock set is like one of the first things I ever right. really dove into. Carlos, again, because timing was off, Carlos dropped acid and thought he wanted to experience it and just float with the crowd and then he would come down off it when he was supposed to play. But the timing was off and he got had to go on earlier. So he was tripping his brains out when he got on stage and if you look at his face playing guitar, him watching it, he said, I thought I was holding a snake that was trying to kill me. <laughs> and I was playing the snake and it was screaming. And that's how I played guitar. Try that sometimes on bass. See how that goes for you. Could you imagine? I mean, I've, I've had bad dreams about, <laughs> <laughs> right. about things like that. So here's what I didn't know. Chicago... 69, their first album, Chicago Transit Authority. They had been signed to play... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Woodstock. However, they had a contract with concert promoter Bill Graham. So he moved them to the Fillmore West, to his own concert hall in San Francisco. And he rescheduled their dates to August 17th, which is Woodstock, and said, sorry, guys, I need you at the Fillmore in San Francisco. You can't play Woodstock. That's the only open weekend. Why did Bill do that? because Bill had also signed Santana. So he called Michael Lang and said, well, I've got to deal with Chicago. They're playing my place, but you can have this new guy from here, Santana. So he knocked Chicago Smart. out and put in Santana. Smart if your name is Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. Not so smart if your name is... James Pankinow or Pete Cetera or... Well, smart Terry also Kai. if your name is Bill Graham because you break, <laughs> You're breaking you break your yet new another band. Uh, Pete Cetera said, quote, we were sort of peeved at him for pulling that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chicago did just fine for themselves. They were, they were great. Jethro Tull declined to go. He's quote. He said, 
he knew it would be a big event. This is Ian Anderson, but didn't want to go because I do not like hippies and other concerns, including inappropriate nudity, heavy drinking, and drug use. Mm. It doesn't really sound like a rock band in 69. Yeah, but I mean, you got to know who you are. Yeah, you're right. So it doesn't sound like Woodstock would be the place for And them. the Beatles knew who they were at that point, and they were not a band that would go on stage and play live. So I was looking back. Here's a, a diary, not of every little thing, pardon the pun, but of highlights of the Beatles in 69. And I will say to me, I think emotionally, this was, 69 was 10 times more frenetic than 63 to 65 because of all the freneticism of hard days, living hard days night, you're basically doing three things. You're, you're traveling, you're playing. You're partying, you're traveling, you're playing, you're recording, you're traveling, you're playing, you're hanging out, you're partying, you're traveling, you're playing, you're partying, you're traveling, you're recording, you're recording, you're recording, you're playing, you're traveling. It's all a very simple band to do. Play, record, have some fun, eat something, meet girls, but it's on a thousand mile an hour treadmill. By 69, 68, they just finished the White Album, which some people said is four separate albums, but they made their own demos. It was like, I always looked at it as, yeah, four solo albums that all the Beatles played on, in a way. But it worked as the remastered remix thing that Giles Martin said. So January 1, Obla D from the White Album is number one in the UK. So the White Album is up and running as we start. January 2nd, the second day, they begin filmed rehearsals for Let It Be at Twickenham Studios. So the Beatles are coming apart, and it's not a bad idea. Just because it didn't work doesn't mean it's not a bad idea. Paul said, what if we just get back to, like we did, again, pardon the pun, of what we used to do, just as we had fun doing the White Album because we were just a band and not trying to dress up or be tricks. What if we do a film this last film, instead of coming up with a plot like Help or something, we'll just do a documentary about how we write and record songs, and we'll just make songs. We'll just make an album for ourselves. doesn't even matter if it sells. And everybody kind of went along with it. But they were in a movie studio. It was cold. It was dark. And nobody's having fun. And John, he doesn't have one foot out the door. He's got a foot and a half out the door. He's got a foot, an arm in his body. Only one foot is left in the Beatles. Because as he said, I'm not John anymore. We're, I am John and Yoko. That is who I am. As McCartney said, we, we have wives. We love having wives. But does she have to be with him every minute, even in the studio? And John's answer was, yes, I want that. So we're filming these rehearsals that are contentious. And they're bored and they're tired and they're not into it. January 13th, Yellow Submarine is released. And they've got a fun, happy, animated Beatles album that's number one for weeks on end. By March 2nd, John and Yoko perform at the Cambridge Jazz Fest. It's the first time a solo Beatle played live, first public performance of John and Yoko. So when I say he's got one foot out the door, this is March of 69. I'm already building John and Yoko mm -hmm. in the Plastic Ono Band. March over five months before Woodstock. Right. You want to know a date that defines Sir Paul McCartney? On March 12th, Paul and Linda are married. That night, he works on Jackie Lomax's record, wow. Sour Milk Sea, signed to Apple. Hey, Lynn, we're married? Yeah, good. Oh, love you. Let's have a little bit of fun. Okay, good. Dinner? Yeah, got to get back to work. <laughs> if that's not Paul in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah well, no, we're married. It's great. We're going to work. March, they're mixing the Let It Be album. 
John and Yoko's Bed In for Peace. And again, when you say mixing the Let It Be album, none of the Beatles are really there. It's Phil Spector, and he's, uh, I will defend crazy Phil Spector, who said, you don't want to work on it, you don't want to clean up mistakes. I can't get you back in the studio at all. And then you're going to yell at me for putting in harps and strings and, and choirs and horns and stuff to cover over your mistakes when you won't fix them? You want me to just hire some session guys to play your parts? Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to touch your parts, but I'll bury the things that don't work that I can't trick around with. So they're mixing that in the spring. And as we know, they, they're ready to quit. Let it be is the end of it. We're done. Um, you know, you get to March through August. We're recording Abbey Road. You know, by the, oh, by the way, yeah, January 30th, the rooftop performance. That was the last time the Beatles played together in public. So if the last time they played together is January 30th in the freezing cold, how are they really going to get back together emotionally by August 15th? We're done. They know that's the last time they're playing. They just, you could see it in the film. They're, they're not really together, but they're playing live and they're, it's still fun. It's on the roof of our own company. Let's go out with a bang, hopefully. Um, so as the story goes, acrimony, they all agree, let's not end it like this. And John says, I'm sorry, we, we want to come back and make one real Beatle album. And George Martin says, I'm not coming back if it's going to be the way it was, with everybody arguing, bickering, and you not giving a shit. I'll only come back and do it if everybody wants to make a real album. We, well, we do. He goes, well, you're saying that. I want to hear it from the other three guys. And everybody says, yep, we'll be on our best behavior. We'll make Abbey Road. And they do. And the way they do it, for better or worse, is to pretty much stay out of each other's way. Andrew, what time are you going to be in the studio? 10 to 2? Okay, I'll get there at 2.30. And it sucks that your bandmate and you have to do that, but I guess when you get to that point, that's the only way to get it done. And not that you're going to have a fist fight if you see the other guy. It's just, hey, hey, how'd it go? Good. I think you'll like it. Okay. Sometimes you prefer a fist fight to just an awkward small talk. Because, you know what? I'm not being... I'm not being <laughs> sarcastic about this at least it's an interaction right at As, least you at least you act like you care yeah in like a weird way you yeah, might care about breaking the person's nose but you care pete and roger <laughs> it's not apathy pete and roger you know and bill kerbishley their manager and i know it sounds like manager speak but i actually believe it when people said do they really hate each other and he said it's not love hate everybody says it's a love hate relationship it's not it's a love anger relationship and i thought you know I believe, that's not bullshit. That makes sense to me. I, I don't I don't just hate you like I want you to die, but like with the Davies boys, you know, I just want to beat you up when I don't agree with you. And that's your relationship. And and taking it back to Woodstock, was the only crime actually just Pete attacking someone? It was, Pete, it was literally Pete Townsend attacking someone. He had good reason to. Rule one. When a band is playing, I don't care. Especially if a band that will, that regularly smashes their instruments. <laughs> I don't care if you got up on during Keith Hartley's set. You could have gotten up during Melanie's set. Abby Hoffman took it upon himself to walk on the stage and make an announcement during the Who's set. And you're shocked that he clocked you with the guitar as hard as he could and cracked your head open? Because... If you try going on a, if there's no security, try going on a stone stage in '69. Try doing any of that, 
you know, a teenage girl, different, yeah. but a guy who's going to make a political statement. You know, Pete spent a night in jail when he was playing the Fillmore East. They were, they were playing, uh, and the building next door caught fire. You know the story? Yeah. And the policeman came on stage to say everybody out, out, and Pete knocked. Don't You just don't get on my stage. You know, actually, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking about who on the Woodstock lineup would also have have attacked someone who uh, stage crashed. I think it's basically the end of the Saturday night lineup, the entire, that entire block. After the Grateful Dead, I think almost anyone in Credence would have done it. Mm-hmm. Janice, she would have done it. <laughs> that would have been probably the ugliest, honestly. Yeah. I could see Larry Graham from Sly and the Family Stone and oh, yeah. throwing his base at somebody. The who? Uh, the of course, airplane? the who. Jefferson Airplane, I mean, yeah, that's... That's the lion's den. Yeah, right there. Anywhere else, I mean, I think you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Arlo Guthrie, Melanie, you're going to be fine there. Don Baez, you're going to be fine there. Ravi Shank, actually, I would pay money to see Ravi Shank. Oh, Crosby Stills Nash, I would not try it. Oh, no, Stephen would kill you. Yeah. Stephen would absolutely bash your head in. I would actually pay money to see Ravi Shankar <laughs> beat somebody up. Take the sitar, you know that big bowl on the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> get off my stage and turn around and just nail Abby Hoffman. Now that that would have been a good movie. Now that's a movie. <laughs> that's the entire movie, that five minutes right there. But So again, we start with the year. The Beatles start with the year. Day one, Obladi's number one from the White Album. Day two, we start filming this disastrous last movie about us playing and trying to make a real album and not being dressed up like Sgt. Pepper and nobody's talking to each other. And we do the rooftop performance in the freezing cold January 30th. Great, that's it. Fuck you, bye. I'm with Yoko. And, I mean, it wasn't until September 20th, till the end of it, where John finally said verbally, I want a divorce. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want you to coax me back. I don't want to talk about our next project. We're done. Everybody said Paul broke up the Beatles. John walks in and goes, I want a divorce. Like, even though it's struggling, Paul's goal, goal one for uh, Paul McCartney, keep the band together. Mick Jagger, Pete, there's always that guy. Mick Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood, Lars Ulrich. There's always one guy going, hold the band together. And the other guy who created the band is going, I'm with Yoko. I'm not in this band anymore. I'm just not. I don't care. I don't want to be in a meeting. I don't want to know what's happening with Apple. I just, I want to be done with it. So going back to the weekend of Woodstock, you know, March to August, we're recording Abbey Road Dribs and Drabs, Ringo Shooting Magic Christian, George is starting work on his solo songs that never got onto the album. August 8th, that Sunday morning, we shoot the album cover with Ian McMillan. And, you know, that's it. By the time Woodstock comes around... They're mixing the Golden Slumbers medley. That's where the Beatles are by mid-August of 69. We're in a studio, and we are kind of together, or maybe people drift in and out, and there's this epic thing on the second side. We're going to mix the Golden Slumbers medley. What's in? What's out? Does this follow that? Does this go into this? Where does it go? And September, you want a live show? September 13th, John and Yoko do live piece in Toronto. That's where John's performing live. He wants it to be John and Yoko. And I know a lot of musicians where it just became me and my wife. And I'm done with that band. And it's not necessarily bad, good. It's like where the musician wants to be. October 1st, Abbey Road's released in the USA. And the last time the Beatles are together for a photo session, November 15th, cover the Rolling Stone to promote Abbey Road. And we're done here. 
just because we got Let It Be in 1970, they're done. You know, they, I can't envision a way that they could have, even if you could have flown them by helicopter to Woodstock and flown them out, right? I don't see it working at all. Yeah, I mean, they they weren't even sure how to get people from Woodstock to the stage. That's when the helicopter thing came into it because all of a sudden the police started closing down the roads because there were too many people. Throughways closed, man. Well, that goes for artists who hadn't been there. Santana was wandering around the hotel like, so is this thing happening or? Isn't that amazing? The The Iron Butterfly, our, uh, my our program director, Eric Wellman, pulled this out. Iron Butterfly, booked to appear. They're on the Woodstock poster for Sunday, but they were stuck at LaGuardia. And according to production coordinator John Morris, um, this is for Woodstock. They sent me a telegram saying, we will arrive at LaGuardia. You will have helicopters pick us up. We will fly straight to the show. We will perform immediately. Then we will be flown out. Not asking, telling Woodstock, this is what will happen for Iron Butterfly with one 20-minute song. Dun, dun, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Uh, John Morris, the Woodstock production coordinator, picked up the phone called Western Union and sent a telegram that said, for reasons I can't go into until you are here clarifying your situation, knowing you are having problems, you will have to find other transportation unless you plan not to come. So going through those statements and each in Western Union telegram, each one is on one line. You say stop. Uh, so, you, you know, you say for reasons I can't go into, stop. Until you are here, F stop. You. F U. Clarifying your situation. C. Knowing you are having problems. K. You will have to find. Y. Other transportation. O. Unless you plan not to come. U. Thank you. <laughs> go to your own Inagata Davida. <laughs> this this Garden of Eden is full with plenty of bands. As a matter of fact, we're running six hours late. Thank you very much. That is a just a classic, classic response. Um, so the thing, what boils down to the number one group, the biggest group that played Woodstock in 69 was Creedence. They had the most hits. If you don't have the Beatles and the Stones. They were, they were, if you look at the discography, they were red hot. Oh, monster. They put out three albums that year <laughs> and they had hits on every single one of them. And you know what? And, but think about it also in context of what was happening. So 69, The Doors with a seven-minute song. Right. And the Beatles are going psychedelic. And, and all, the, all the rock groups are being psychedelic. And the closest John gets to psychedelic, I mean, he has a few, like, 11-minute songs. You know, he's got, but Run Through the Jungle and things. He's got a couple. Uh, Susie Q is a long jam. But all the hits are two and a half minutes going right back to the early right. 60s. You look at their set, Credence, Born on the Bayou, classic. Green River, classic. Bad Moon Rising, classic. Proud Mary, classic. I Put a Spell on You, standard. Um, Nighttime is the Right Time, classic. And then Susie Q is their closer. And I actually have that queued up um, to listen to later today, their set which just came out a couple weeks ago. Right, remastered, re-released, by the way. The, the Woodstock right. is great. So the albums they had out, the self-titled, which was 68, Bayou Country, which was early 69, Green River, which I think just came out. What mm -hmm. does it say? August. It was, I guess, yeah, it just came out. And then Willie and the Poor Boys uh, was coming out in November. And 
they had down on the corner it came out of the sky fortunate sun midnight special we're still playing all, all these songs all on that album yeah, yeah we're still insane. playing these songs um the one so thing- they they were the first band to sign on they were going to be like the draw they got everybody else to come that's that's like what gave woodstock the legitimacy right well if the biggest band most successful band in america is playing we should sign on right and that's how the Alvin Lee's Alvin Lee's career is his jam on going home by helicopter, you know, and that may that gives Al, Alvin Lee may rest in peace a reason to tour for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Santana is launched by that. The Who, Tommy was failing, they come back on that. But Fogarty, being the biggest band at the time, wouldn't give permission. He wouldn't sign releases to have his music to be in the film because because I'm the biggest band in the world. F you, pay me. And also, the crowd was exhausted by the time Credence came on. Fogarty was telling the LA Times this week, he looked out, and it's like 1, one o'clock in the morning or, or 2 o'clock in the morning, after the Grateful Dead played twice as long as they were supposed to. And he sees like hundreds of thousands of people laying down, sleeping. And he thought that that would not be the best look for Credence, a band that's on the top of the charts, to be in a movie where... People are snoozing. Fair point. You could cut around that, I think, in a judicious yeah, editing right. if they wanted. Um, it feels like they could have been they could have been convinced if uh, right if they pushed hard enough. I mean, the other because we- the thing about editing it was probably not something that Fogarty was really thinking through. Yeah, at that time. Well, same thing with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Nobody thinks Neil Young is there because he wouldn't give permission for him to be in the movie. So the only shots you see are of C, S, and N, and Y is judiciously edited out of all the pictures. Wow. You just hear them. Like, does that make sense in any way? You musicians, you you got a lot of you got a lot of ticks. You got more ticks than a junkyard dog. Like it's their second show ever. It's a it's the yeah. first sort of folk supergroup with Graham Nash from the Hollies. You've got David Crosby from the Birds. You got Stephen Stills. From the young Neil and Stephen from the Young Bloods, like Buffalo the, Springfield. Buffalo Springfield, rather you're, you know, do this. This is your coming out party. Why wouldn't you want to be part of it? And if you really think it's, if you think it sucks, well, then you'll laugh back at it after a long and successful career. But I, I don't see how you would think this would hurt you in any way. But the Beatles, not a possibility to have played live in '69. When they remaster and re-release the movie Let It Be, you could cut out all the fighting. You could cut out every single picture of John yawning, of George and Paul having their argument, the famous George. Just tell me what you want. I'll play if you want me to. I won't play if you don't. Whatever pleases you. You can cut all that out. I just want to see them playing music. I want the rooftop done in super clear, bright, digi, surround sound audio. The whole movie could just be 20 minutes long of them on the rooftop, and that is the movie I want to see. Thank you, Producer Andrew. Thank you, Ken. Peace and love. It's been a while. Peace and love. And a little on the side. Remember that part. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.